This is the Mark Butler Show, Episode 6, and before we get into today's stories, lessons, and thoughts, I wanted to remind you to go to markbutler.com and sign up for my newsletter. If you've listened to any of my podcast episodes, you know that I'm all about the numbers. I love business stories. I love business concepts and theory. But when I talk about business, I want to talk about it through the lens of the numbers so we can have it be grounded in reality and real and useful. So when you sign up for my newsletter, every Friday you'll get some of that in your inbox and you won't want to miss it. So go to markbutler.com and sign up for the newsletter. I know that this week's headline, this, uh, this title of this podcast is a little bit hypey. It's a little bit sensational, but it's also true. And I was as surprised as anybody when I actually sat down and thought through this and added up all the numbers. It was almost scary to me what a few series of kind of random events have produced for my business because the, the end of this story today is that a high percentage of my revenue today, a high percentage of my current clients in my service that I offer can be traced to the beginning of this story. And it kind of becomes a cautionary tale for you and for me because if I had not taken a few simple steps that I wasn't even very thoughtful about, I wasn't careful about, if I hadn't done those things, I think I would probably still have a business. There's no reason to be, there's no reason to be too melodramatic about this. But the reality is I wouldn't have some of these key relationships that I have. And so I've got some lessons for myself coming out of this episode that I plan to implement in my own life and in my own business. But let's go back to the beginning. I started my service, Budget Nerd, this, uh, this consultancy where I, I help small business owners with their cash flow and make sure that they don't run out of money, basically, make sure that they achieve their goals. I started this service in early 2014 while I was still employed at youneedabudget.com. You Need a Budget, or as most of us call it, YNAB, is a personal budgeting software that people use to manage their personal finances. My good friend Jesse happens to be the founder of the company, and after about a year of working for him... In early 2014, I went to him and said, I think we need to implement this methodology, this budgeting philosophy and this software in small businesses as a consultancy. And he said, sure, give it a shot. So I put the word out in in the You Need a Budget community and I, I got my first few clients. And after a couple of months, my coworker, Todd, came to me and said, hey, I know you've been working with some life coaches. Well, my wife is a life coach and she follows this business coach online whose name is Rachel, Rachel Cook. And Rachel Cook has mentioned YNAB a few times. I think she might be a fan. Maybe you should reach, reach out to her about your service. So I cold emailed Rachel. I just said, hey, I'm Mark Butler. I work at YNAB. And I know you've mentioned YNAB a few times. I'm wondering if I could talk to you about this new service where I'm implementing YNAB in small businesses. I wasn't even necessarily thinking that Rachel would become a client. I was thinking maybe she would mention us. Maybe she would refer some clients to me. But I was just trying to make a connection. Well, Rachel was really excited, and she became a client, and she's still a client. Rachel and I have been working together now for over three years, and it's great. She's become a good friend, and she runs a great business, and after about a year of working with Rachel, so fast forward to kind of mid-2015, Rachel introduced me to three of her peers, three of her friends named Megan and Val and Claire, and they all three became clients of mine. And Claire happened to have a podcast called The Get Paid Podcast. Claire invited me on her podcast. She said, you're doing something unique. You're, you're taking this approach to the finances in a business that's sort of like bookkeeping, sort of like being a CFO, sort of business coaching, and you're kind of pulling them all together in a way that I don't think anyone else has really done, and I want to feature you on the podcast. And I was really grateful. I was excited. 
I'd been doing my my service long enough that I could speak pretty well about it and I could make it sound pretty good. So to have her give me a platform where I could talk about it, I felt excited and I felt grateful. And in September of 2015, Claire published the episode of the podcast that I appeared on. I hoped it would produce clients for me, at least one. I thought, well, I'll go on a podcast, I'll go on this podcast and maybe I'll get a client out of it. That'd be great. I'd been on a few podcasts before. I've probably appeared in the three years that I've, that I've been doing this service. I've probably been on 10 or 12 different podcasts. None of them have really produced a big result for me except for Claire's. So I didn't have huge expectations, but there's lessons in there that I'll come back to later. So I went on this podcast, and about a month later, I heard from a, a business owner named Brooke Castillo. Brooke had heard me on the podcast. Now, what's really interesting about this is that a couple of Brooke's really good friends were already my clients, but they had not told her about me. And as far as I can tell, they were not going to tell her about me. They were kind of keeping the information a little bit close to the vest, and that's fine. And I also hadn't yet gotten up the courage to say, hey, I know you're friends with this Brooke Castillo person. I think she runs a great business. I want you to introduce me to her because I hadn't felt comfortable asking that of those clients. Well, this podcast created the perfect opportunity, without me knowing it, for Brooke Castillo to hear me on the podcast, get to know me, get to know what I was all about. And about a month after I was on the podcast, she emailed me and said, hey, I'm not totally clear on what you do, but I think I want to hire you. So we got on the phone and I explained it. And she said, yeah, this sounds great. I didn't even know anybody did this. And I said, I don't think anyone else really does. She said, well, great, you're hired. Let's work together. That is October of 2015. Fast forward to May of 2016. Brooke invites me to speak to 100 of her clients. So 100 of her clients are in the room, and I get to be on stage in front of all of them. And at that point, I want to say three or four of those people in the room hired me. Six months later, another person that had been in the room that day in May of 2016 also hired me. Six months after that, in May of 2017, Brooke invited me to speak at the same event again. So this is now just what, two, two months ago. And it's like I haven't, I haven't learned my lesson here, but I really went into this event not even thinking about getting clients. I was just excited. I love public speaking. I love Brooke's community. I love to interact with them. And I just thought, oh, this will be fun. I don't even pitch at the end of the talk. I don't even say, hey, you know, do you want to be my client? Brooke always has to be like, hey, tell them where they can reach out to you. Oh, yeah, send me an email. But I finish my talk, and I come down off the stage, and we're sort of mingling, and three or four people come up to me, and I end up with, uh, I don't know, off the top of my head, three or four new clients. So that's when this started to get into my head that I needed to sit down, and I needed to really kind of trace this all back. By the way, if you're in a service-based business, if you're in a business that relies heavily on word of mouth, which maybe is all businesses, but in a service-based business like mine, you don't have tons and tons of clients. So a really, really fascinating exercise is to sit down with a, like a mind mapping software like MindMeister or MindNode and map out all your client relationships and how you got them. So it becomes this kind of big spider web where this was my first client and then she introduced me to her who introduced me to her and then so on and so on. It's really, really interesting. A really interesting exercise to help you see how your business actually grew, and help you see that it's not totally random, that, that relationships create relationships create relationships. And in my case, it went exactly like this. In fact, I've got it in here in my notes, and I'll read it to you. Uh, we got, Todd was my co-worker at YNAB. Todd told me to email Rachel. I cold emailed Rachel. Rachel introduced me to Megan, Val, and Claire. Claire invited me on her podcast. 
from Claire's podcast. I met Brooke. I also, independent of Brooke, I met Nicole and I met Jess, who also became clients. After I met Brooke, I spoke at Brooke's event where I met Chris and Jerry and Diana, who all became clients. Later, Chris introduced me to Angie, who became a client. After that, Jody, who'd seen me at that first event, also became a client. A year later, I do that event in May of 2017, where I meet Brenda, Katrina, and Kara, who all become clients. So that's where you can see that tracing all the way back to that cold email that I sent Rachel in early 2014, you can trace that all the way forward over three years to what constitutes probably half my current business to that introduction or to that, that hint that my coworker Todd gave me. The cold email that I sent Rachel was kind of the domino that ended up producing, um, well, like I said in the headline of the show, over $61,000 year, or not year to date, over $61,000 total revenue from all those relationships and probably, I didn't do the math on this, I could add it up, but I think it's between, I bet it's about $3,000 to $4,000 in, in recurring monthly revenue right now from those relationships that all go back to that podcast episode, which goes back to that cold email to Rachel. So when I think back through the sequence of events that led to those relationships, both you know paid client relationships and the friendships that they've become, it, it kind of blows my mind and it scares me a little. Because I think to myself that the first most important lesson that comes out of all of this for me is, what if I hadn't emailed Rachel? When Todd gave me that, it wasn't even a referral. He just gave me a name. Hey, here's this business coach named Rachel. She seems to maybe like YNAB. You should reach out to her. What if in that moment I had said, well, that's a totally cold contact. I don't do cold contacting. It's not effective. It won't lead to anything. I'm not a spammer. I don't want to bother anyone. All of the things that we tell ourselves about outreach... What if I had done that in the moment that Todd had given me that name? I wouldn't have met Rachel, who wouldn't have introduced me to Claire, who wouldn't have had me on her podcast, where Brooke heard me. Now, do I, would I still have ended up with a successful business? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not, it's not like the way it happened is the only way it could have happened. But I'm glad it happened the way it happened. I value these relationships way beyond the money that they pay me every month. These are people that I look forward to talking to every month. I love being part of their business and their life and serving them. And if I, in the moment that I'd gotten that name from Todd, had not reached out to Rachel, maybe I wouldn't have met Brooke, Claire, or all the other people that have come from those connections. And that scares me a little. The reason it scares me is that I tend to be lazy and inconsistent with outreach. So the first lesson I'm taking away from this whether it's promoting Let's Do the Books or the Mark Butler Show, this podcast, or my my one-on-one consulting service, I feel suddenly a lot more urgency about reaching out to people. Cold, even cold outreach. Not spamming, not overwhelming people, but just in, in a value-added way saying, hey, here's what I'm up to. Can I be of service? That's lesson number one for me. Lesson number two is that when you have a business model like mine, where it's a, it's a relatively expensive monthly retainer, you can have relatively few marketing experiences that produce a lot of revenue. 
this out, this idea of outreach, this idea, uh, this general idea of outreach where you're trying to connect with new people and this more specific idea of appearing on podcasts is definitely beneficial for everyone. No matter what your business model is, no matter what your product is, we all can benefit from this kind of outreach. But for those of us who have high ticket products and services, it's especially true for us that if we would just make an effort to do some outreach with some consistency, there would really be no feast and famine in our business. Well, feast and famine doesn't so much happen in my business anyway because it's a retainer. So I guess this is kind of a, you know, a, a small plug for a retainer-based business. Because once a client hires me and once I'm fully integrated into their business, it is hard for them to fire me. Now, people still fire me but they, because they find other solutions. But it's comparatively hard for them to find other solutions once I'm fully integrated in their business. It's just the switching is painful. So this, that's kind of an aside. But when I think about how much an individual client can be worth to me, which is tens of thousands of dollars over a period of years, then I think I really am crazy to not try to get myself on one podcast per month or speaking at you know a live event each quarter or something like that. Because when I look back at my business and I look at the referrals that come from those clients then I'm crazy not to go to those live events and speak, try to get myself on podcasts so that I kind of kick off the word of mouth cycle. So I you know, make, meet a new person, get in, integrated in her business, have her get to know me and really like me and really trust me so that when she is talking to other people, she's talking about me. It doesn't take a lot of those appearances to suddenly have it snowball into a really healthy business. I think other things contribute to the success here. I think that I do have a pretty strong position in this market. I work mostly with coaches, and the work I do with coaches is, it is on the financial side, but it's not bookkeeping. It's not, it's not traditional bookkeeping, so my job is to say, based on how things are going, here's when we're going to run out of money, or here's what we have to do in order to not run out of money. Other people who are dealing with the money in businesses aren't really addressing that. So I have kind of a unique position, which makes it easier for me to convince, uh, to, to convey my value, to charge higher rates, to get referred, all of that is a factor here too. Another lesson for me is that it pays to, to practice and be good at talking about the value that you provide, telling the stories about the value that you provide, so that when you're faced with an opportunity to speak on a podcast or live, you've already practiced what you're going to say. You already know what stories resonate with people. You already know what ideas resonate with people. You're not, you're not shooting from the hip. The Get Paid podcast wasn't the first podcast I'd been on. It was probably the fifth, sixth, tenth. I don't know. But I'd already been practicing talking about what I do. So I think I communicated it pretty well. But another big lesson that comes out of this for me is the idea of having a long-term perspective and being patient. I gave you some dates here. I met and started working with Rachel around March or April of 2014. I met Claire from the Get Paid podcast around summer 2015. I was on her podcast more toward the fall of 2015. I started working with Brooke in the fall of 2015. I spoke at Brooke's event in the spring of, of 16 and the spring of 17. So from the time that I met Rachel to when I was on the podcast to when I, I well, till today, we're talking about over three years. But in the moment that I was cold emailing Rachel, I wasn't thinking to myself, you know, I bet... I bet this email in the long run is going to is going to be a domino that leads to over $100,000 in revenue. I wasn't thinking that. 
I was probably thinking something stupid like, oh, I hope she's not annoyed that I'm emailing her, which you know, in hindsight sounds crazy, but I still have those thoughts when I sit down to do any kind of outreach. But patience is a big part of it. Recognizing as you're in it, recognizing that, okay, the work I'm doing today is going to pay off in the long term. The client I'm signing today is going to refer a lot of people to me in the long term. So I have to just keep showing up, stay in the game, so that those things can happen in the long term. It's like compounding interest. The longer you stay in it, the more benefit you get from the investments you made years ago. And in fact, I really think to myself, kind of in the investing metaphor here, I really think to myself, what if, what if in that month that I emailed Rachel and she happened to say yes, what if I would have emailed 20 business coaches like Rachel? And what if three of them had replied in the way that Rachel replied? What dominoes would that have knocked over? What relationships might I have today if I had invested three times as much effort three years ago? I'm not mad at myself. I do learn the lesson. And the lesson is, why am I not emailing 20 business owners this month with the recognition that any one of them could become a Rachel or a Brooke or any one of my other clients who not only becomes a a valued relationship for me, but a referrer for me that only strengthens the business over time to the point where I have so many connections and so many referrals that I'm either having to grow an agency or turn people away or jack up my rates or some combination of those. So patience and consistency are something I'm thinking about a lot as I, as I look back over this whole experience. A couple other ideas have come out of this, of this review, of this little mini audit that I've done on my clients and where I, where I got my clients. One of the ideas is not only should I be spending my time trying to create these connections, but I should be spending my money trying to create these connections. This podcast makes a great story because I didn't have to pay anything to be on the podcast. And it, you know, it cost me about an hour of my life and it's produced these amazing results in the long run. And so, and by the way, this, by this podcast, I mean the get paid podcast that I appeared on in the late summer of 2015. But I also think back to the early days of my business when I, a couple of different times, spent a lot of money on sponsorships. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with these sponsorships, and I don't know whether I would advise anyone to do them, but here's, here's kind of my story with, with what happened with these sponsorships. These were basically sales events that other coaches were doing, and you might, opinions about these events vary wildly, right? A lot of people use them, a lot of people hate them, a lot of people go to them whatever. We're just going to talk about the sponsorship that I did and what came out of it for me. Uh, I did two sponsorships. They both cost in the neighborhood of $10,000. Now, when I did the first sponsorship, I really had no idea what I was doing. I was very new to the coaching world, so I didn't understand my, my target market yet. I didn't understand who was going to be at the event. I didn't know how many qualified prospects I would have there. I was pretty much flying blind. I went, I had like, I had like a cheesy golf shirt on that had the YNAB logo on it. This is when I was still at YNAB. It was like cheesy golf shirt with a YNAB logo, you know, like the gray slacks. Like I was fully, I was like full blown traveling salesman, which is really funny when I think back and I feel really embarrassed when I think back to it, but whatever it worked. In fact, I have a friend who was at that same event. She became a client and I said, do you remember that I had like the cheesy golf shirt? That was the whole deal. She said, oh yeah, I was super embarrassed for you. I was like, yeah, thanks a lot. That's really nice of you to say that. 
But yeah, I was full-blown traveling salesman at this first event. I had this little booth. No one really talked to me at the booth. I didn't really know how to present myself. And my company, it wasn't my $10,000. My company had paid $10,000 for me to be there. My saving grace at that event was one of my clients happened to be attending. And she basically took on the role. This is Amy, my client, Amy Pearson, my good friend, Amy Pearson, who saved me. She started to talk me up to anybody that she knew at the event and to a lot of people she didn't know. Hey, have you met Mark? He does amazing work. You need to talk to Mark. I think you should probably hire Mark. From that event, thanks to Amy, I think I got five clients. This is back when my retainer was much lower. So five clients was worth a lot less then than it is now. But those five clients paid for that $10,000 sponsorship. And I've often looked back and said, was it worth it though? Because I don't know that it was massively profitable in terms of direct revenue. I don't know in the long run whether I would look at that $10,000 spent and say, oh, that $10,000 produced $100,000 in revenue. But what I would say is it, it sparked the business. It got me going so that I had clients who could start referring other clients. And I really have to look back and say, I think it was well worth it. About a year later, I did another sponsorship that also cost about ten dollars or $12,000. I was a little bit more polished there, a little bit less cheesy salesman in bad golf shirt. I knew what I was doing. I knew who I was looking for and how to talk to them. And I had raised my rates quite a bit at that point. And I came out of there with something like five clients. Those five clients referred a couple other clients. And a couple of those, those other clients are still my clients, which means a decent portion of today's revenue is still being paid from that sponsorship that I did. So between those two events, I spent over $20,000 on those sponsorships. And I say I spent it, but you know, my friend Jesse, whose company it was at the time, he spent it. But you know, when I left YNAB and I bought my clients from Jesse, I, I basically paid back those marketing expenses. So really that money did ultimately kind of come out of my pocket. And when I look back, I think, you know, it really was worth it. And it actually makes me think that maybe I should do one of those sponsorships each year just as a catalyst kind of as a spark to give me some fresh contacts, a few clients who then become referrers for me. I don't love the idea of shelling out $10,000 for a sponsorship, but in hindsight, I have to admit that it paid off. So maybe instead of spending $10,000 on a sponsorship, I'll spend $10,000 on making new connections. That might mean going to other people's conferences. It might mean flying to meet prospects. That's an interesting idea. I've often thought that if I could make a quality connection with a really high quality prospect, it would be worth getting on a plane and going and meeting that person in, in person to make a deeper connection. That probably cost $1,000. Would it have been worth $1,000 to go meet some of the clients that I have now if, if that would have helped them trust me and like me enough to hire me? Yeah, it would be worth it. So whether it's a sponsorship directly or whether it's figuring out how to spend a, course, a similar amount of money to meet a similar number of high quality people, Yes, I should absolutely be doing that. But I don't build that into my budget. That's, what's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of noticing in myself. I don't build that outreach into my budget, even though I have ample evidence that it would pay off. So whether it's relatively easier wins, like going on someone else's podcast, where the only cost to me is the time and energy it would take to do the outreach and the follow-up that would have them bring me onto their show, or whether I'm actually spending money to sponsor other people's events or to attend those events, it's obvious that my business would be bigger if I wanted it to be bigger. It would be bigger if I were more consistent about this outreach, which seems like a no-brainer when you say it. But then the days, weeks, and months go by, and are you actually doing it? I'm not, for the most part. I've been too reliant on that word of mouth instead of saying, I think I can trigger that word of mouth. I can create word of mouth 
with my own effort, with my own outreach. Business is messy. It's nonlinear. In hindsight, you can see the lines. You can see the patterns where this person introduced me to that person who invited me on our podcast. Who be, you can see those lines in hindsight, but going forward, you couldn't really predict it. So all you or I can do is show up and make an effort to create those connections, recognizing that I got lucky when it comes to the Get Paid podcast, but that with effort, I could probably recreate comparable results. I may never have a podcast appearance that pays off quite like that one did, but if every 10th podcast was 10% as valuable as that one was, that would be an engine in my business that would keep me healthy, keep my cash flow smooth forever. So I don't know whether you or I will ever be able to tell a story like this again, where we go on one podcast and then we can trace that directly to $60,000 in revenue so far with potentially more than $100,000 in lifetime revenue coming from that one event. But the principles hold. Reach out to people. Make connections. Get good at talking about what you do. And as we're consistent in doing that, probably all of our income concerns go away. So those are the thoughts I have for you this week. Go to markbutler.com and sign up for the newsletter, and I will talk to you next Friday.